All right, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Ephesians 3, verse 14, all right? Uh, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, watch this, to be strengthened, to be strengthened, to be strengthened. Now, Paul is talking to the, church at Ephesus to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. I'm going to, I'm going to be purposely slow and methodical right here, because this is the whole kit and caboodle of today's message right here that you will be strengthened. Okay. With might, the word might power, azusia, dunamis, that you will be strengthened with something on the inside, okay? Through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that you will be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you be filled with the fullness of God, that you be filled with the fullness of God. Now, 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 Pastor Sharon, you, you mentioned about your women's fellowship, the theme, and I remind me the theme again, women being fulfilled in the love of God. Now, I don't know if Ephesians 3 is your background or not, but it sounds very similar. Being fulfilled in the love of God. One more time, verse 19. That you would know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, and that you would be filled with the fullness of God. Listen, I don't know if there's ever been a more critical time to minister the word of God. I want to take the next few moments and I want to encourage you. That's my my whole message today. I want to strengthen and encourage every one of you with God's message. In fact, I'd like to title this today, Inside Strength from Our Friend, the Holy Spirit. Inside Strength from Our Friend, the Holy Spirit. One more time. Inside strength. What kind of strength? What kind of strength? Inside strength from our friend, the Holy Spirit. I've already started this conversation, but let me repeat. As we witness some of the recent events across our country these last two, maybe even three weeks, and it all seemingly is being stemmed from this ongoing viral epidemic pandemic, I should say, I'd really like to continue the conversation we had yesterday with our leaders. And I want to thank you leaders because you were very much a part of this evolving organic, but I believe it was spirit led conversation. And I'm going to try my best these next 15, 20 minutes to drive this message home to every one of you of the importance of receiving care, receiving therapy, Receiving ministry, receiving the word of God, staying in prayer. Because we're at 
a very unique intersection. And I'm not sure our world has ever been here. Say nothing for our country. Say nothing for our community. And when I say community, I'm talking about the black community. We're at a very unique position. And unfortunately, it hits head on the stigma of what many of us as people of color are oftentimes fearful of doing. We hear the words often of being distressed, anxiety, stress, depression. But I'm going to introduce to you today a couple of new terminologies that you may not have heard. COVID fatigue, COVID exhaustion, weariness. There's mental, emotional, spiritual, relational. And unfortunately, we're now beginning to see the manifestation when it comes to suicide and suicidal thoughts. I was a little late to the dance with this conversation is earlier this week. But when the news began to flood in, it really stopped me in my tracks. I want to show you a video, and many of you all already know some of the things that have happened, but let this video sort of set a, a platform of today's discussion and how domestic and how real and how on the front door of our doorsteps this situation can be. Would you, would you watch the media uh, LCD screens? First, today we start with the tragic passing of Miss USA Chesley Christ. The Charlotte attorney fought for social justice and was also an entertainment news correspondent and was just really an all-around good person. Police in New York say the 30-year-old died by suicide after jumping from her building in Manhattan. WCNC Charlotte's Jesse Pierre live in Uptown for us this afternoon with more on Chesley's legacy. And this is just, there's no other way to put it, this is just so tragic. Absolutely very tragic. Now Chesley Chris will be remembered by her smile, her beauty and her strength and her work as an attorney as well as her uh, title and her work as Miss USA and her community advocacy work will be will continue to inspire many to come. We did a special request for the Duke Energy Building right. to make the lights red, white and blue for our Miss USA. For me. <laughs> Chesley Chris grew up in the Carolinas and captivated the hearts of many. Chesley, she was one of those people who just had a genuine, beautiful spirit. And um, you just, you fell in love with her at Hello. North Carolina. She shined as Miss USA 2019 and before that as Miss North Carolina. During her Miss USA reign, she broke so many barriers. I mean, even with, you know, winning with curly hair you know, which was at that time um, a first. Um, there were a lot of barriers to her confidence, her determination. Portia Key worked closely with Chris on several charity and community events. Chris was licensed to practice law in both North and South Carolina. And Key says she was committed to fighting for prison reform. Planned her visit to the North Carolina legislator um, here in our state's capital. It was what we called a magical day for her. Um, she stole everybody's hearts there on the floor. You know, it didn't matter if you were a Democrat or Republican. Um, everybody just immediately, she was, everyone was just impressed by her. Chris died Sunday night. Police say she jumped from a building in New York 
and hearts are heavy with her loss. This from Fort Mill School District, where she graduated high school, saying it is saddened to learn of her passing, adding, quote, while she was well known because of her reign as Miss USA in 2019, to many of our Fort Mill staff, she will be remembered as a sweet, well-liked girl named Cece. Her family also released a statement saying in part, Chesley embodied love and served others. Whether through her work as an attorney fighting for social justice, as Miss USA, and as a host on Extra, but most importantly, as a daughter, sister, friend, mentor, and colleague, we know her impact will live on. I um, chose that particular video because the fact that it resonates, I think, as anyone's daughter, anyone's sister, um, anyone's grand grandchild. And the reality is, is you know, you, you had another suicide about two weeks ago, Regina, Regina King's son. And I think someone was telling me yesterday that what made his suicide more impactful was that I think he chose to die on his 26th birthday uh, or, or somewhere close nearby. There was another suicide last week with another actor. Uh, if you all recall, two years ago, there was a six, maybe eight week period of time when there was a rash of pastors who committed suicide. Last week, there was a pastor, uh, I think he was on the West Coast, he preached a sermon, he preached on life, preached on wellness, preached on everything that was to preach on, went home, went in his garage, killed himself. Um, the, the, the question that I asked the leaders yesterday, what is the church's response to suicide? What should be the church's response to suicide? I know traditionally what we grew up hearing, but you'd be, you'd be surprised how our theology changes when it's your child, right? You, you know, we, we, you'd be surprised how many people we send to hell until it's your sibling. And I've come to the conclusion after many years of pastoring, particularly funerals, we put a whole lot of people in heaven who ain't going to heaven. But we also put a whole bunch of folk in hell who ain't going to hell. And that puts us in a, in a just position because we have to stay faithful to God's word. But at the same time, we got to realize that we're still growing and we're still understanding by and by. And so I'm not quite sure if we really came to a full Conclusion. This is why I'm saying today, I'm not sure if today's message is a one and done. Maybe today is the beginning of a conversation. Yes. Pastor Marion, I know I'm going to put you on the spot here. All right, I've already did that once already today. But this is this going to be a good putting on the spot. Uh, won't be talking no more on front and front. I mean, see, your voice is carried. That's the problem. I don't mind y'all talking, but I can hear it. And I be thinking y'all trying to get my attention. But um, Tuesday night, Tuesday night, I would love for you to continue this conversation for our Bible study here. Because I know you have Thursday night, Sunday school, but maybe Tuesday night can be a continuation for Thursday night. I'm not ready to unveil the next series of teaching on the Holy Spirit yet for Tuesday nights. So I think this could be an organic conversation from a parenting point of view, from a pastoring point of view, and just a perspective of what should the church's Right now, relevant answer B for suicide. You know, Pastor Rick Rowan, you all know Pastor Rick Rowan. He wrote the book, uh, God, um, Purpose Driven Life, 
Then he came back from Purge Driven Church. I think it's the number one selling book of all time other than the Bible, I think. But his son committed suicide. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he took months and months and months off. His church actually grew tremendously while he took that time off. Everyone has a different spin. And, 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 and I won't go too far into this, but I want to give you a start. And I pray that Tuesday night, for those that of you that want to come Tuesday night, we'll be here in, this, in, in the cafe. We still get the distancing going on. We, 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 we spent a few hundred dollars with the whole COVID electrograph machine, fog machine, cleansing and protocols and all that stuff. So please know that this African-American church takes sanctity and sanity serious, right? All right, just like anybody other church does. We don't want no lawsuits on our hands, and we don't want nobody dying, all right? So please know, when you come here on Sundays or Tuesdays or any other time, we really take the protocol thing serious, okay? With that being said, we welcome all of you all to be in person Tuesday night here in the cafe. If you can't, we'll have it set up online for virtual. But I want to talk from a parenting perspective. What are those warning signs we talked about that Sister Chambers talked about? What are those warning signs that Sister Cheryl Monsantos talked about? The things that Dr. Jeff Sheard brought out yesterday about the social media, the virtual reality, and all of the things. You know, one of the things that this Chelsea Chris young lady said, and she's an attorney, 30 years old. She felt as if her contribution to the world was over at 30. She ain't woken up good yet. And she had begun to feel that there was nothing else to offer. Now, I want to say this. And I really want your comments. I, I, I want your feedback and your comments. If I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But here's what the Word of God sheds light on as it relates to suicide. Traditionally, hear me closely. Traditionally, most of us were brought up in a fear. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to use the word right. In a very ironclad template-driven, suicide is the sin that can't be forgiven. So automatically, no question asked, you're going to hell. I mean, that's how I grew up. And that's in the Baptist church. And then it was reiterated in the church of God in Christ. Right? Um, but then the conversation about mental illness began to, begin to grow, particularly like in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, and, and so on. And so then I think we begin to carve out opportunity and space to really think the balance of someone who may have been mentally not well and not medicated, okay? And so we have to give a grace and a space for that. But, 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 but here's where as Christians, we have to draw a line and we have to say this. There is a war on the inside of man between the flesh and the spirit. And the flesh will never understand the things of the spirit. In fact, I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I don't have this on the LCD notes, but you'll have to go there. You'll have to find it. Again, if you didn't bring your Bibles, go to the app, hit the Bible icon, and it'll take you to the Word of God. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, because you have to realize that man is three parts. And I see a lot of young people here today, and I'm so happy to see the young people. So I'm going to teach as if I'm a third-grade elementary school teacher. Man is made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit, okay? You have the physical body, which you can see. 
You have the soul, sukai or psychi, where we get the word psychology. The soul you can't see, but it is inside of man. When a soul of a man leaves, he's dead. Right? You also have the spirit that comes into man. Body, soul, and spirit. Um, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord thy God with all of thy body, soul, and strength. And strength. That was replaced in the New Testament with body, soul, and mind. So the trichotomy or the triune or the three in one has always been a part of man. Old Testament, New Testament. Life. So body, soul, and now spirit. Okay? First Corinthians chapter 2. Let me show you something. Okay? And this is some of the things I was writing down as we were in worship. Uh, First Corinthians 2, verse, look at verse uh, 11. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except by the spirit of the man which is in the man? Even so, no one knows the things of God except by the spirit of God. Now, we have received not a spirit of the world, but a spirit, capital S, who comes from God. We call it the Holy Spirit that we may know the things that we have been freely given to us by God. Uh, uh, verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the things which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. Watch this, verse 14, very important, very important. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually, there's that word, discerned. Let's put this together. I'm going to walk very delicate through this conversation because I'm going to come to a conclusion and it will be repeated time and time again. Uh, what is the church's answer to suicide? Number one, you have to realize that man is three parts. And the Bible says that the enemy, John chapter 10, verse 10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. What do we know right now? We know one now that death is of the devil. We know that. Death is of Satan. Let's get that straight. We know life and life abundantly is of Jesus, the Lord. That we already know. We know that the works of the flesh or the, 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 the goal of the enemy is to kill you. Let's go back to uh, Luke chapter 4. Just write it down, Luke chapter 4. Remember, and thank you, Pastor Sharon, the, the temptation of Jesus on the mount. Remember when Satan came to tempt Jesus? He tempted him to commit suicide. You remember that, don't you, Nixon? Uh, he took him to the highest part of the temple the highest part of the, 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 the building in New York City, and said, hey, throw yourself down. Commit suicide. Right? Let me stay in the light. Stay in the light, Pastor. Stay in the light. Okay. But what did Jesus come back at him with? The word of God. The word of God. You know why? Because it wasn't a fleshly thing. It was based on the spirit and on the word. Okay? I'm going somewhere with this one. Um, as Christians, our advantage should be the Holy Spirit. 
Because the Holy Spirit is never going to ever tell you to take something that is not yours to take. Okay? So as Christians, as born-again believers, the word born again, John chapter 3, we can go back to that conversation about being born again, that which is born of water, that which is born of spirit. There's that difference again. So as Christians, the, the advantage is the Holy Spirit who's going to tell you there is hope. Don't give up. Get some help. You're not alone. But the enemy is the father of lies. Don't forget that. I think that's John 8, 31. All right? He is the father of lies. So the lie of killing yourself, the lie of you're not wanted, the lie of you're not needed, the lie of the world will be a better place if you're not here, the lie of no one will miss you if you're gone, the lie of it's never going to get better. Those are lies. And if you don't have a Holy Spirit to counter the lie, you're going to accept yourself to the lie of the enemy. All right, I'll get back to mental illness in a moment. But, but, but straight up call a spade what it is. The truth of the matter is, it is the spirit of murder. And you may not want to receive that, but that's nothing new in the kingdom. When Jesus was born, think about the spirit of assassination. Let's kill all of the babies so we make sure that Jesus never becomes a grown man. Wasn't nothing new. Back in the days of Moses, let's spring out the spirit of assassination. So there's a spirit of homicide. There's a spirit of assassination. There's a spirit of murder. And if those things don't cut it, let's bring in the spirit of suicide. We'll just bring out a spirit where people will begin to kill themselves. So when a man or a woman doesn't know the Lord, they don't have that, 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 that buffer, that, that, that antiviral, if you will, that helps contest against the lies and the spirit of darkness and confusion, right? So let me, let me go another perspective. So from, from, from the mental illness perspectives, we have to have a grace and a mercy to help people get help. All right, that's not a spiritual conversation. This is a practical, natural, you need some therapy conversation help. If your body goes down, you need medicine. And no one argues medicine. I took two Tylenol last night and went to bed and slept real good. All right? We don't doubt physical medication. But what about medication that can help someone mentally? In our African-American community, we have the stigma, that Negro crazy. And we have allowed that, I said Negro, I started to say the other N-word, but we've allowed that slang and that terminology to, to, to distance us from the reality of getting help. Every last one of us got somebody in our family, somebody from our community, and we have blacklisted them as they are nuts. Elevator don't go to the top. Nate the sharpest knife in the drawer. Just as loony tunes as can be. And you know what we do? We put them in a corner and let them rot to death. I need to know real quick, does the church have an anointing for those that are mentally not well? Bipolar. 
schizophrenia, manic depression. There's a new terminology going on with the situation with this young lady. Uh, I don't have the correct word, forgive me, because I didn't write it down, but it's, it's, it's high achievers depression. High achievers depression. It's a very rapid, aggressive depression that goes very deep and very dark, very fast. They got a lot of degrees. They've extended to the heights of academia or, or, or show business or athletes or, or, I mean, look at um, Antonio Brown. I mean, the guy is undoubtedly probably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Gifted as all get out. But this man takes off his, half his clothes and runs around, around the stadium in, in 15 degree weather. You know something ain't right. And that ain't the first time he's done something like this. Man needs some help. We laugh at it, we make the memes and the emojis and we have a good time, but the reality is we, we, it's funny game until the man shoots and kills himself. And it plagues no one's community more than ours. Why am I crying out? Why is this so severe? Because we've not been here with this COVID-19 pandemic. It has been a moving tsunami that it almost has a head-on collision with stress and tension and finances and so much. But you know what? Bad news in the world is good news for the church. My only pain yesterday was, boy, if we could have recorded the comments, the conversation. Wasn't a sermon yesterday. Wasn't no preaching yesterday. The preaching was in the pews. The revelation was in the pews. And had we recorded it with quality sound bites, that thing would have went viral. This church would have been packed 30 days from now. Not because of the preacher. Not because of the facility. Not because of the location. Because there was meat on the table. There was wine and oil at the table. And people would have come from everywhere to hear, I'm not going to give up parenting. I'm not going to throw one to tell on my child or my uncle, or on my mother, or on this, or that. Whatever it may be. So let me go to Ephesians. I want to encourage you. I want to go home. My conclusion until next Sunday is this. We cannot send a message that no one's going to hell because they commit suicide. That is not the messaging the church should send. Because it wouldn't be biblical. It wouldn't be God. We cannot send that message. We'll have more suicides in the history of America, in the world, if the church sends that message out. Because oftentimes, whether the world wants to admit it or not, they're waiting for that last statement from the church. Whether it's the Pentecostal church or whether it's the Catholic church. They want to know, what does the church have to say? And the minute we rule publicly, is what the world's going to do. They may not acknowledge that, but it's their last line of defense when it comes to their conviction and their consciousness. So we tell the world, you know what? God's a loving, graceful God. He understands things happen. Just take your life and it's okay. There'll be more deaths than you've ever seen in your entire life. Especially with this generation of young people. So we cannot concede. We cannot give in. At the same time, we cannot butcher the scriptures and bully the community and send everyone to hell because we did not understand perhaps the mental struggle or non-medicated issues 
whether young men or young women. So I'm still asking the question, what should be the church's response to suicide? My response, it has to be about Jesus Christ. Because again, I'm not here to be the judge, jury, and prosecution in this young lady's life. I don't know what she had going on in her world behind closed doors. I don't know what Regina King's son had going on behind closed doors. But I need to know one thing. I do believe in this. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become brand new. I do believe that greater is he in you than he that is in the world. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But you got to tell these young people there is a demonic spirituality. There are wickedness in high places. There are rulers of darkness. There is a Diablo, a devil. There is a satanic attack. There are snares. There are all types of entrapments. There is a devil who hates you. He ain't your friend. He ain't your colleague. You're not to dance with him. You're not to flirt with him. You're not to play Russian roulette with him. You're not to do no black magic with him. He wants to kill you and destroy you. That should be the message of the church. Put the fear of God back into the young people that your life was bought with a price. And if, somebody, if someone is mentally struggling, get them some help. You cannot be on the sideline looking on and saying, child, I'll I, I be praying for you. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm going to grab you by the hand, and I am taking you to somebody who can help you. Amen. That, my friend, next Sunday, I, 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 listen, Revelation time. That's, that's what the good Samaritan did. He wasn't the priest, wasn't the Levite. That's in there counting money in the church, eating fried chicken. But it was the Samaritan, the one who'd been the hand back, the one who was half mixed, the one who was nothing, had nothing, and was supposed to never be anything. He was the one who came on the scene, pulled out a credit card, put the man up, gave him some oil and some wine, helped him out, and said, listen, if there's anything else on the bill, put it to my charge. And Jesus looked at the, the, the preachers and said, who do you think is the good neighbor? I want to know, does the church still have oil? And does the church still have some wine? Do we have an anointing? Oh, we got anointing to shout and dance and do the huckabuck. But do we have oil for the depressed, the downtrodden? The down and out. We got wine for all of the conferences, convocations, and conventions. But do we have wine for the drug addict? The one who can't kick the habit. And we so self-righteous and Holy Ghost-centered. We don't empathize with someone who has a clinical, physical habit. Until it's your son. Until that devil knocks on your front door. Let me give you five, let me give you four things and we'll pick it up next Sunday. All right? Ephesians chapter three. For this reason. In fact, let's go to Ephesians three verse one. Ephesians verse one. I, I just want to give you just a little bit. I'm not going to give you the whole sermon. Let me give you a little bit. And then I want to find a good stopping point, and we'll pick it up next Sunday, okay? 
The book of Ephesians was, was, was written while Paul spent his last few years in a house arrest prison in Rome. He visited Ephesus, which by the way is modern day Turkey. I encourage you all one day to go to modern day Turkey. I've not been there yet, but I plan to go in the next couple of years. I want to see what Turkey, Istanbul, Ephesus. I want to go there and walk where he walked and see what he saw. He stayed there three years establishing churches and leaders. Ephesians is a letter of encouragement to strengthen the believers for the church then. And I believe it's still a letter of encouragement for the church today. It's in chapter 3 that Paul focuses on receiving strength. But this is not the physical strength that we often pride ourselves in talking about. I don't have time to turn there, but if you would, just write down, just for a quick moment, write down 1 Timothy 4 and 8. Just write it down. You don't have to go there. 1 Timothy 4 and 8. You know, Paul says, Timothy, bodily exercise will do you some good. But uh, the reality is, is uh, in fact, let me read it. For bodily exercise profit a little, but godliness profited all things. So yes, we should be all about the physical body and the exercise and eating healthy, but uh, all that's great and all, but you're going to pass out of that tent one day. What about the inner strength? What about the inner exercising? What about making sure you're where you need to be on the inside? And, and my goal today was to really just stop by and strengthen you all on the inside. If I could be your, your fitness trainer, if I could have been your, your exercise trainer in the spirit realm, I just want to encourage you to be strong on the inside. Take seriously your, 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 your inner strength as some of you take seriously going to the gym six or seven days a week on the outside. Take seriously the intake on the inside of your spiritual man as you think about the things you diet and the, the nutrition plans you eat on the outside. But notice quickly, I, I want to take you a couple of things real quick. Just a couple of observations in Ephesians chapter 1, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. Look at Ephesians 3. And verse 1, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed uh, you've heard from the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation, oh God, I could stop right there and preach for a whole hour, by revelation, by revelation, God wants to speak to some of you right now by divine revelation, but you're too busy on Facebook. Uh, you're too busy uh, watching TVs and Netflix and binging on TV shows. God wants to speak to you about divine revelation, the mystery of his will. There's some things he'd like to show you in your prayer closet. There's some things that God would like to reveal to you if you'd slow down enough to hear from heaven. So Paul makes it very clear these things have come by divine revelation. He made known to me the mystery for I have briefly written already by which you read that you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, but now he has revealed it by the Holy Spirit to his apostles and prophets. I'm going to stop right there just for a moment. I want to go straight down to verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees. I hope I don't sound clandestine or ancient or, or old-fashioned with this one, but I still believe there's some value when people bow their knees in prayer. I know that might sound old-fashioned. It may even sound legalistic. 
but there's some there's got to be still a a, a spirit of piety and humility I think there's something there of sincerity when a man can bow on the ground on his knees in prayer and in his prayer closet it's, it's, it, it has to be a sign of reverence it has to be a sign of humbleness and brokenness for this reason I bow and you know I would read that scripture wondering or maybe it was figuratively speech maybe it was symbolic for something else but no in Acts chapter 20 Paul goes on again and says he bowed his knees and then the elders of Ephesus around them they also got on their knees with him and the whole community all of them fell on the ground and bowed and I kind of wonder with our degrees today do we bow you know, we sing songs, and I'm very cognizant when we sing our songs and worship, bow down and worship him. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think we even bow when we sing the songs anymore. We're so busy trying to preach people to their feet. Well, whatever happened to a generation of folk preaching folk to their knees? You know, watch my knees said a dry eye will always reveal a dry heart. And may we return to the days of men and women who don't mind bowing in worship, who don't mind bowing their knees in prayer as a sign of homage and humility and reverence. They said the queen turned, what? No, she turned. She celebrated 70 years on the throne this weekend, queen of England. No one said amen. You know why? Because that stuff don't do nothing for us. We ain't in no kingdom. We, we in a democracy, we in the West. But she concurred to the Charles, her son, and her bride, his, his bride, Camille, I think Camilla, uh, queen consort, king and queen consort. See, see, understand this. I mean, can you imagine living in a country where you recognize the leader as the king? They're going to be calling that rascal the king. Excuse me, remember, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, I didn't mean to say that against authority. They're going to be calling that gentleman a king soon and his wife the queen. What great homage and respect that must be. Can you imagine being invited to the royal palace and everyone's bowing but you? Man, who, who, uh, some of uh, us, who do they think they is? I ain't bowing for nobody. You will be hog tied and handcuffed and sent out the side door before you know it. Hmm? What about the king of glory? What about the great king of glory? Who is the Lord God Almighty? The Lord God Almighty, the king of glory. So, so Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees, verse 14. Uh, uh, let me talk to you real quick. I got, I've already given you one. I'm going to give you three more. What inside strength from our friend, the Holy Spirit, must look like? That's my whole objective today. It's 1134. I think I can do this in the next six minutes. Six minutes, I think I can get this done. I want you to be strong this week in the Lord. My wife talked about soul winning. I had the opportunity to win a soul to the Lord this past week. What a joy it was to see this man. Uh, number one said, no one has ever talked to me about the simple plan of salvation. Is that right? Yes. Would you like to give your life to Jesus? Pastor Stevens, I would. Man, let's pray right now. What a joy it is to win someone to the Lord. You all do still believe in soul winning, don't you? You do still believe in sharing your faith, don't you? Uh, I, still, I still ain't getting nobody over here. You still do believe in witnessing, right? Uh, wow, you're a hard crowd today, I see. You do believe in the Great Commission, don't you? Notice the Bible says it's the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, right? Uh, we do believe in the Word of God, everybody, right? 
For this reason, I bow my knees. How to stay strong? Number one, stay in prayer. Never be too busy. You can't pray. If you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. Uh, that, that, that'd be a nice tweet, wouldn't it? That'd be a nice uh, chat. Go ahead and put that in the chat room, my online friends. Um, if you're too busy to pray, dot, 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 you're too busy. Something needs to slow down. Well, I, I got to go make this money. You don't understand. I'm more I'm important right now. I got this. I got that. I got this. You know, you know what God says? Oh, I can help with that. You too busy? I, I can help that schedule out for you. Uh, here come a layoff. All right? Here comes, a, here comes uh, a doctor's report that says you need to be off your feet for six weeks. You too busy to pray? God says, you know, I can help you with that one. Uh, now all of a sudden, guess what? We're not too busy to pray anymore. If you're too busy to pray, dot, dot, dot. You're too busy. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees. Number two, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. See, when you find yourselves in prayer, you can't help but find yourself in the word of God. You got to take time to go to the word. Get in the word. Uh, obviously, read the Bible. Number two, study the Bible. Number three, listen to the Bible. Number four, hear the word of God. When you're in the word of God, you're strengthened. Faith coming by hearing and hearing of the word of God. You say, Pastor, I need to strengthen my faith. Well, uh, you want to strengthen your faith? Strengthen your reading. You want to strengthen your faith? Strengthen your hearing of the word of God. I don't care if you're driving uh, across the state. Put in the Bible on cassette. Put in the Bible on your iPhone. Listen to the word of God. As you hear, as a man thinketh, so is he. And the faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Number three, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you will be rooted and grounded in love. People are going off with each other with no regard. People are mad and angry and ill and nasty and cantankerous and swole up. Why? Because they've been a time pressure cooker and they've been waiting to explode on somebody because of the anxieties and the stresses of this COVID-19 pandemic. Folk are about to go crazy. Amen. But Paul says, listen, be strengthened on the inside. And part of being strengthened means that you would dwell, that Christ would dwell in your hearts. How sweet have you been to your husband how sweet have you been to your wife because you know sometimes in the church we learn how to go out and be sweet to everybody but the one you're in the bed with at home called your spouse yeah you want to mentor everybody else's kids but have no time for your own kids you want to go serve and do hospitality and get on your hospitality gifts in the spirit for everybody else's home, but your own house is nasty. Let Christ dwell in your hearts. And the Bible says that you be full of faith and, oh my God, that you be rooted and grounded in love. Number four, finally, that you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you be filled with the fullness of God. Paul says, for this reason, here's the whole reason why I'm praying for you. I want you to be strengthened. I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to be full of love. I want you to grow in your faith. Uh, in fact, here's my last hashtag, and here's my last tweet, and my last share. Here's the last thing I want you to put in the chat today for those that are online. Growing old is not negotiable. Growing up is optional. I think we'll put that on the screen. Growing old is non-negotiable. You're going to grow old. There ain't no doubt about it. Ain't nothing you can do to stop it, right? However, growing up is optional. 
Paul tells the church at Ephesus, you got to keep growing. You got to keep growing in the love of Christ. You got to keep growing in the depth, the height, the whips, the understanding that you might keep continuing being the man, the woman, join the saints and keep progressing and being all that God has called you to be. I know it's been a tough season. I know this has been unorthodox. Yes, it has been absolutely topsy-turvy, but you cannot stop growing in Christ. You got to stay disciple. You got to stay in the word. You got to keep witnessing your faith. You got to keep living holy and living righteous and doing the will of God. This pandemic didn't surprise God. He knew before the foundations of the earth being created that in 2020, I'm going to allow this tsunami to hit the earth. I'm going to humble the church. I'm going to humble the whole world for that matter. People will go back to praying like never before. People will go back to depending on me like never before. People will go back to seeking my face for healing. Uh, for whatever reason, he allowed the death angel to swoop through different countries at different times. Man can put man on the moon. We can put satellites in the air. We have all type of creations and all type of inventions and all type of, of concoctions. But yet, for some odd reason, we still can't figure out certain elements of this COVID-19. And right when we think we're on top of it, he allows another variant to come out of South Africa. Another one here out of China. Another one out of South America. Have we not woken up good yet and realized that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein? Don't you realize that God is still in control? We are the sheep of his pasture. And so it will behoove you and I to continually grow on and grow up at the same time. I want you to stand to your feet. My time is up. I got a very familiar scripture that you all know. We often quote this scripture, but we don't know the things that lead up to the scripture. We love telling everybody Ephesians 3 and 20. I love that scripture. Now under him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us, in the church, we love that scripture, but we never look at the things that led up to that scripture. So here's uh, St. Michael chapter 9, verse 1. September 1st is my birthday. Here's St. Michael chapter 9, verse 1. Don't ever try to quote Ephesians 3 and 20 if you're not willing to live 14 through 18 and 19. You don't have the right to quote verse 20 if you're not willing to strive to live, verse 14 through 19. Oh, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly. We got all type of cars and all type of houses in our mind. We can quote that scripture. We got all type of name brand clothing and name brand handbags. and We got all type of nice stuff in our head. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask a thing. Child, he going to do it. And we thinking big. We thinking large. But God has said, what about verse 14, 15? 16, 17, 18, 19. What about growing in the Holy Spirit? What about being rooted? I'm so glad to see y'all today because there's a whole lot of folk that probably shouldn't be here, but they've lost their rootedness. They're being tossed by every wind and doctrine. I didn't have time to go back to 1 Corinthians 4, but the Bible says, uh, 
Though you have 10,000 instructors, you have not many fathers. I quoted that scripture many years as I wrote my books on black men and men in ministry and mentors and fathering and sons and daughters and spiritual uh, dynamics. But now, you really do have 10,000 instructors, all of them on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Instagram, videos, on demand. You got a million preachers. You got a whole bunch of wonderful motivational speakers. And they give you a whole lot of feel-good cotton candy messages. But you have not many fathers. But Paul says, listen, I'm willing to become a spiritual father if you're willing to become a spiritual son and daughter. Because you can't eat from everybody's table. I know the app is convenient. I know that Facebook Live is convenient. And I know all of these wonderful meetings and channels are wonderfully convenient. But boy, you better watch out. Oh, oh, good gosh. I just thought about something. <sighs> I'm concerned for the church in America. It has been a concoction of several variants. Slowly sorted in the Gulf of Mexico, slowly coming together but forming a unified storm. And its trajectory is headed toward black America. And you know what the old statement is, when America catches a cold, black America gets pneumonia. We've got another no-knock innocent killing in Minnesota. You would have thought you would have never seen another Breonna Taylor situation. Anybody woken in the middle of the night, half sleep, is going to do any, instinctively anything. But that young man will never have opportunity to come back and give his side of the story. That mother who has to get on TV now and cry. What are you saying, Pastor Stevens? This is the church's finest hour to step in and make a difference. Not just with the person struggling with suicide. We can help that young man and that woman. But if we lose that person, who's with the family for the next six months? Who's going to walk the journey with that family? I can't walk with all of them. Pastor Tim, Sister Vanessa, my wife, the staff, leaders, board members, they will tell you, when our church financially, we, when we started really rocking and reeling through the challenges of keeping this facility, one of the things we knew, my, my, my late spiritual father taught me, if you don't have enough to make a harvest, take what you have and make it a seed. So, we intentionally went to the key African-American funeral home directors in the city. And we told them, if you ever need a place to bury the dead, and they don't have a church home, and they don't have the money, bring them up to Huntersville. We'll take care of them. We'll take care of them. We have gone and said, because there are a lot of churches today that'll tell you, if you ain't a member and a tithe-paying member, 
you won't get no services from us. And I'm not here to say that's right or wrong. All I'm just saying is this. God, you gave us this facility. You blessed us. And you sustained us. <laughs> and then COVID hit. And then he still sustained. Until there was light at the end of the tunnel. So freely receive, freely give. And so we've reached out. So after the fried chicken's been fried, after potato salad's been eaten, after the lights have been off and everybody's gone home, who will walk the journey with that family that has lost that loved one? I want every one of you all to leave today encouraged and empowered to make a difference. We have a window of being global. Next Sunday morning, I want to see you right back here. I pray you leave today feeling that your time was not wasted. You're not just in some dry, bone, dead, beat, sad, sorry service. But my prayer is that you can't wait to next Sunday. In fact, you want to bring some people with you. Bring a bus load. Bring a van load. Bring a, a, a SUV load. Let's see something happen these next few weeks. Every single Sunday. Every single week. Let's see what God will do. And while we're doing that physically here, I want to encourage those online. I want to encourage every one of you to take these next six days. Tweet. Share. Invite. Call, text, watch party. I mean, I need help. I, I would love someone to say, hey, I can help you with algorithms. I can help you with Facebook geo-marketing. I can help you. This church needs help because I believe there's meat at the table. And I believe we can make a difference. And with that being said, saints, this is our finest time. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above, oh hallelujah, all that we could ask or think. Ain't got nothing to do with no cars, nothing to do with no house, nothing to do with no jewelry. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Can you imagine revival? Can you imagine a breakout and a viral revival? And it starts where? In the house of God. You, listen, hear, hear the word of the Lord. Some of your closest family and loved ones that have been saying no are about to say yes to Jesus. Your prayers have not gone unanswered. Some of the people who've been struggling with drugs, I'm talking about folks struggling with the spirit, a pharmakia, addiction. God says, I'm going to break that curse. Not by power, not by might, but this one's going to be by my spirit. The things that we heard our grandparents and our great-grandparents talk about, God said, I'm going to do some miracles in this season and in this hour. Folk who cannot come off the alcohol and they've tried and tried again. We're not here to curse them. We're not here to say they're bad people, but God said, I'm going to dry up that taste. I'm going to take the spirit of nicotine from their breath. People who struggle in other areas of their lives and they feel like they've been outcast. 
They feel like they've been literally become lepers and no one wants to do anything with them. God says, I'm bringing them back. I sat down with a white gentleman right there in my foyer two and a half weeks ago. And I said, I said, David, I see two men. I see the gentleman I'm looking at today and I'm seeing a gentleman that I'm looking at 12 months from now. And the gentleman today will look at the man 12 months from now and say, I don't recognize you. You're a totally different man. This past week, that young man gave his life to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, I'm the pastor. And if the pastor can do it, you can do it. We're all in this together. Man.